My name is Dr. Tram Jones. Starting in December 2019, my wife and I lived in Haiti. Recently, given the current insecurity, we are out of the country, but we continue to support and work with our partner clinic, Lesquati Moon, with its 53 employees on the ground in the city of Quati Bouquet, Haiti. We want patients to have skin in the game. People should be invested in their own health. Allowing people to pay for their medicine helps them to have dignity. It stops the cycle of dependence. How many times have I heard this spoken about why patients in developing countries should pay something for their health care? A lot. And this is a big topic. Should people have to pay some amount for aid that they get in the developing world? Let's take a moment to delve a little deeper into this complicated topic. For the longest time, as we looked at this, everyone just followed their own feelings on this issue. Many people felt, and and still do feel, that if you give something away for free, it wouldn't be valued. Perhaps if we made people pay, at least even a little bit, they would value it more. As we seek to address this, let me give you some background on myself and my thought process. I'm an internal medicine doctor. Frequently, we talk about, does a medication work? And in the medical field, how do we know when a medication or a treatment works or doesn't work? The highest level of proof we have is something called a randomized controlled trial. And that's just a fancy word, but it's it's not really that complicated. We take a large group of people with an illness, we put their names in a hat, and pull them out, splitting them into two groups. And then we treat both groups the same way. Except one group, we give a placebo, and the other group, we give the potential treatment and then we see who does better. But for a long time, this approach was limited to medicine. We didn't have randomized trial data on social issues, economic approaches, education reform, childcare. But recently, there has been a wave of attempts to get better evidence in all fields. One particularly exciting trend is an increase in evidence for poverty-fighting methods in developing countries. In 2019, a group of economists won the Nobel Prize for creating an institute that would rigorously study poverty. Crucially, their goal was to perform trials in developing countries to determine what methods worked best. And they studied everything. Does deworming children increase the odds that they'll graduate from elementary school? If you give free food with vaccination, do vaccine rates go up? And this was novel. In the past, we had simply said, well, we tried so-and-so technique in Niger and it didn't work. Well, Did it not work because Niger was in a civil war, or was it really ineffective? The only way to get to the bottom of this was to have two nearly identical groups, with the only difference being the intervention, and then to study the effect. Today, I want to talk about an age-old question. If you give something away for free, does it become something that is not valued, and thus use less? I am not talking about the United States or Europe. I'm talking about low-income countries. Let's say you have two poor people both with pneumonia. You prescribe them amoxicillin and tell them to take it for five days. But one must pay nothing and the other must pay $4. Will one be more likely to take the pills for the entire five days? And you might have a strong reaction and opinion preformed in your mind. One side might say, it's wrong to make a poor person pay. Healthcare is a right and the price of a medication is just a sunk cost, unlikely to change the action of a rational consumer. Another person might think to themselves how much more they value that sofa that they paid $1,000 for. They protect it from the cat scratching it because they know it's worth. It took sacrifice to pay for it. If they had gotten it for free, 
well, maybe they wouldn't have been as protective. All of these thought experiments, anecdotes, and opinions are fine. But what we really need is data. And so the group of MIT economists, led by Abhijit Banerjee, decided to study this very question. Let me give you some background. Malaria, that scourge that we thankfully no longer think about in the United States, it's still around. It kills around 600,000 people per year, about 500,000 of whom are children. You could, of course, compare that to the 13,400 children who have died from coronavirus worldwide. To put it into a daily perspective, about 1,320 children die per day. That's a lot. And do we have anything proven to fight this? Well, yes, there are a number of things, but one of the most important is insecticide-laden mosquito nets. This reduces the odds of a child or adult getting malaria by half, and each one lasts for five years. These nets aren't very expensive, at least to an American, about $10 per. But the primary issue is getting the family to use the nets every night. If they aren't used they do nothing. So the question becomes, should NGOs, governments, and charities give these out for free? Or should they subsidize them? Or maybe just sell them at cost? And at each level, is the family more likely to use it? As usual, people have a lot of opinions. There are anecdotes of people using free bed nets as wedding veils. A second question, perhaps equally as important, is what will happen when the NGO stops subsidizing bed nets? If families are used to getting them for free, will they refuse to buy them in the future? Is the market being distorted? First, a group studied what people would pay for a bed net. The study was performed in Kenya, and they started distributing nets in clinics. They randomized some people to get them for free, some they would be subsidized, and some they would be sold at cost. The first round of results should come as no surprise to anyone. Nearly everyone took a free net, but as price went up, fewer and fewer purchased them. Once you were selling at cost, almost no one purchased them. Next, the group went out into the field several weeks later to evaluate these families that had purchased or been given bed nets. Were they actually using the nets? Well, indeed, between 60 and 70% of families overall were using the bed nets. However, and this was interesting, there was no difference in usage between those who had purchased them and those that had been given the nets for free. Another study was done and noted that long-term usage for all of these groups went up slowly to about 90%. But what about that last point? Does giving out free bed nets mean that people will be used to free goods and therefore not be willing to purchase them in the future? Maybe this would hurt local producers. In a follow-up experiment, this effect was studied. The group went out to the families who had received nets for free and those that had to pay full price. Paradoxically, those families that had received free nets were more likely to buy a second net than those that had paid. So the exact opposite of what we might expect. As we look at these experiments, we need to note some caveats. This is a very specific study, bed nets in Africa. Its goal was to answer only questions related to that. Perhaps, I might even say probably, there are times when giving something out for free is not as good as making people pay. And this isn't necessarily to be applied to the United States. It's a very different situation. Working in the developing world has taught me that if you have an overarching view that something will work in every culture and country, you're probably wrong. Every country and community is unique. It also doesn't tell us why it's better to give nets out for free. It just tells us that it is. I could come up with many possible explanations. 
Perhaps those that received a free bed net viewed it as a sample, in the same way that I might try a new product at Costco. And then, if it worked, they were more likely to purchase it in the future. Perhaps, by giving it out for free, people had more trust that it was being given out for their good and that it wasn't just a business with ulterior motives. Maybe families had allocated a certain portion of their money to health, and thus those that received it for free had some money left over to make a second purchase. We can really only speculate. We can extrapolate that free medical care might be similarly efficacious, but we must remember that this is just an extrapolation. The best available evidence right now says that free care doesn't reduce uptake or disrupt future markets, but we need to study these answers to be sure. If you go into a community in another country, you may hear some of the workers tell you that patients should pay something, that patients themselves desire the dignity of paying. However, I would admonish you to be cautious. It's best to ask the poor, not the middle or upper classes in these countries, what they prefer. Maybe patients do want to feel bought in and would like to pay a small nominal participation fee. But more than anything, testing out that hypothesis is important. At our clinic, we let patients see physicians for a dollar. It's below cost, so it's kind of like the subsidized bed nets in the previous example. The biggest reason we don't see patients for free is simply logistical. If we made our services free, patients would come from all over and our clinic would not have the funding to keep up. We price at a loss, but we try to make it to a level so that we can keep up with our capacity. Perhaps we will have the resources one day to handle the surge. And there may be other reasons to ask patients to pay. Perhaps the clinic doesn't have external funding. Maybe there are government controls. That's fine and a reasonable rationale. But we probably need to admit that it isn't the most efficacious technique. In the developing world, rumors and theories swirl like mists. Foreigners and nationals bring their own biases and ideologies to situations. And believe me, there are always enough anecdotes and unrandomized attempts to back up any claim. If you listen to someone's stories, you may become completely convinced but we owe it to our patients and those who are trying to help to test our hypotheses with a placebo. In medicine, we don't give people a pill because we heard some good stories about it. We study them rigorously and dispassionately. Let us continue to do the same as we try to help people. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.